0: This episode of the podcast was originally recorded on February twenty seventh, two thousand and twenty three. I just have to say again, it's really nice to meet you. Thank you for your time today.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Really excited.
0: So, Julia, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. This is the first time we've ever talked. So,
1: um, all right. So I am. Um, I've spent my life um working in public policy. Um so I uh I'm I don't know maybe I'm a little a little um crazy. I left uh when I graduated from law school I went to Springfield and started um working as a committee staffer um for the uh Illinois General Assembly, the members of the house. Um so you know when you see like the uh, you know, when you see like the the like the staffers that run in the round in the background of Congress, like handing out papers and signs and doing that—that was my job. Um, I've spent the last ten years working um, on various initiatives, generally speaking, all around bringing something new um, to to market. Um, So sort of unprecedented concepts and um, I was drawn to the psilocybin issue because um, I have a sister who was um, or is personally impacted by this um, and um, you know psilocybin saved her life um, and and therefore I'm very motivated to try to help um, get this legislation passed uh, so that people can access, um, you know, some very critical, um, you know, whether you want to call it medicine or, um, you know, spirituality, uh, basically what our souls need to survive.
0: Yeah. Is your sister Ellen or Lauren?
1: She is. Yes.
0: Gotcha. I was reading your, uh, the press release. So for folks that didn't realize what episode they were tuning into, we will be talking about this today and for folks that aren't watching the video version of the podcast you can go to chillinoi.net/video julia tell us about this tell tell us all about it
1: so the um illinois bef-
0: really quick uh, yeah in- inthioillinois.org that's where you're from that's who you're representing today in a professional capacity am i right just wanted to yeah. get that out there so that yes. people know so
1: yeah we have a we have a couple of um, calls to action. I love this community because it's so active, um, and this is this is one of them. So uh, the we are working on House Bill One, um, which was introduced to the 193rd General Assembly by Lashawn Ford. Um, the bill does a couple of things. Um, it first. Of all deschedule psilocybin, um, so that we are removing sort of the criminal penalties that against people who are using the substance. Um, uh, that just feels equitable. <laughs> and then the next thing that it does, it also puts together a um, a, a regulatory paradigm um, to bring natural psilocybin to the Illinois market, um, so that you know, at least sort of the first wave here is a little bit focused on, on bringing it into um, uh, to folks who, who need this as medicine um, in a setting that is um, safe, um, in a setting where it's, uh, um, we've worked on ways to bring costs down um, and in ways to make it as accessible as possible.
0: Very cool. I know a lot of people that are excited about this right now. Sorry, I was just looking for a writing utensil. I don't know where I put my pencil. Um <laughs> so uh but anyways, um I know a lot of people that are excited about this and uh for, for many different reasons. I have my own reasons. Um I wanna talk first and foremost if you're if if you're okay with this approach. I want to talk first and foremost about the legal option or, or the regulated option. Would, would that be a better way of saying it?
1: Um. So the the sort of broader commercial yeah. option, would that be? Yeah, sure.
0: Cool. Sure. Yeah. So just tell us about a little bit about it. I've got like uh, a vague idea of like what I think it looks like, but, but – um, Please tell people more. I think it's important to maybe start with the fact that you're not just going to be going to a psilocybin dispensary like you do with cannabis and going home and, right? So that's, I think, a number right. one thing right. to understand. Sure.
1: Sure. So I would start by saying um, that in this, you know, in this world, right, um, um, in the psychedelic world, there's some people who are amazing specialists at this. Um and they can grow psilocybin and they have been doing it and they've been using it um, um, with their community for years. But um, when we look at the broader public, um, that, that knowledge doesn't live with them and, and perhaps maybe they don't ever want it to, right? Um, um, so how... Um, so, how do you sort of help those folks? And and the notion here is that by creating a uh, a process where we have um, manufacturers who um, who produce psilocybin, um, a a distribution system into um, these what we call service centers, um, and and then inside of a service center, you would. You would um, be able to access a sitter. Um, so for the folks who are not psilocybin connoisseurs, which is sort of, you know, uh, um, probably the majority of the population, <laughs> um, this is a way for them to access um, access psilocybin and access mental uh, well-being, uh, you know, without having to set up a you know a grow facility in their in their uh, living room.
0: Very cool. And I think another thing that many people wonder about right off the bat is like, okay, so when we started with medical cannabis, it was this conversation you needed to have with a doctor, and then you needed to get a certification, and then you needed to file that with the state. It, what is this? It, it doesn't look like that. And in fact, am I correct in saying that you don't need a certification? You could just
1: correct.
0: say, hey, I want to try psilocybin.
1: So. um the uh yeah so the so this is sort of i I would call this sort of a um a natural um or organic approach to um to the distribution of the drug that isn't tied directly to say a particular mental illness because um you know i can tell you from my personal family experience, if you have spent any time in the mental health system, um, and someone can't fix you, you just get another diagnosis and another diagnosis and another diagnosis, and it goes on and on and on like that. Um, so, so while the aim of this is is to be therapeutic in nature, um, what if you're sort of asking what are how how do you balance? Um, both access and and the therapeutic need. Well, it's happening in um, the actual administration of the drug is happening inside of a service center, um, and and most people that I know, um, if you are if you're if you are seeking that out, um, you're probably seeking it out for a reason. And so there's some sort of there's I think a nat some natural controls there that make this not you know. Not wreck, right? But make it also very accessible um, without having to jump through some of the, the onerous hoops that we saw with um with cannabis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I get what you're saying. Most people that use psilocybin or are looking to try it for the first time are using it because they've heard about its therapeutic effects. Um, but like it are there like, if let's just say hypothetically, if I went to a service center, like they're not going to stop me because I don't give them a reason, will they? They'll just say, hey, I've got to watch you while you do this, right? Right.
1: Bingo. So, so that, you know, that's sort of the balancing act, right? Okay. Um, uh, you know, for people who are, you know, as again, and again, descheduling is part of this. Um, or maybe it's easier to think of it as decrim. Um, so for the folks who who are already really accessing this um, in a way that they've been doing for years and it's safe, um, it this helps provide some um, legal insulation for those types of communities. We see those types of communities, particularly for example, around cluster headaches or veteran communities. Um, so we're not taking anything like that off the table What we're trying to do is expand into um, another set of folks who really need this, um, who may not understand um, what it is like to have a mystical experience or how to procure their own sitter. Um, So that's, that's a logic.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you just said that because I will say that my listening audience I'm not sure exactly how, but, but it seems like maybe they misunderstood. um, Oh gosh, I just, uh, I just, something popped up on my screen and I just lost where I was going there. Oh, uh, they misunderstood um, the fact or the idea that, let me just put it this way. They were concerned that they would only be able to let's, for lack of better words, have these rituals in a licensed service center. And from what I understand and what, from what you just said, hypothetically, the de- the descheduling aspect would provide, like you say, that insulation, not to procure psilocybin, but to still have like a group session like that. Am I understanding you correctly?
1: Yeah. So it gets down to like personal use, right? We saw this with marijuana, right? Right. So, um, and this applies really across the board with anything. So, um, you know, even with food, right. We, um, We put safeguards in place when someone is going to open a restaurant and they are going to sell a product commercially to the public, right? Uh, But we don't tell you how to consume a tomato in your house. this has sort of that same balancing act, where you know, I'm not jumping into your living room and trying to tell you what to do there. Um, but if you want to to commercialize a product, advertise a product, um, and and push it out to the mass public who may not um, know much about it, there are, are safety concerns. and and um, just like with a restaurant, you would want to know, um that it had been produced safely and and that you were getting what you were buying
0: yeah that's i like the analogy that makes sense to me um well so i want to get back to descheduling and that's you kind of brought it up uh but i want to get back to it but before we really dive into some of the questions i have about what descheduling actually looks like and means i wanted to ask i think one last question about the regulated option uh unless i can think of others but from what i understand this bill like the main there's two main components like you said and please correct me if i'm wrong um there's the legal option and then there's the descheduling component so with the legal option it sounds like it it will really be driven and ride on this uh advisory board am i using the right word like an advisory board will be created yeah um,
1: Yeah. So again, um, when we talk, when we think about, um, you know, providing this in a, you know, a broader context, which we, you know, we'd like to see. So um, lifetime use for psilocybin for folks who are um, over the age of 35 is 2.5%. You know, 19 to 30 year olds, that number's higher. It's 4. or 8.5%. You see a little more acceptance there. Um, But for the folks that sort of grew up, I'm going to just date myself and say, like, I grew up in the Nancy Reagan, um, uh, don't do drugs era, or the folks that are even, you know, a little bit older and came up in the Nixon era of, you know, So, you know, psychedelics will make you lose your mind and you're just very, very lucky if you make it out of the experience without having some kind of permanent brain damage, right? Like that was the narrative for a long, long time. Um, So part of the objective here is to provide a setting um, for this population who um, may have some concerns and may have some fears around this um, that, okay, this is, uh, this is happening in a safe place, and, and it's administered by um, someone who has, um, has education on how to on how to administer it. Um, and again, it also comes back to sort of disclosure. Um, you as a consumer, and again, and this applies sort of across the board in the way um, we we treat sort of. Um, uh, the distribution of any product. Um, there's more disclosure that's involved in that when you are selling something on a large scale.
0: Sure. Unless you're a
1: cartel or, you know, and then, and then you have a whole nother set of problems.
0: Right. Right. Well, that's, uh, (laughs) uh, so but this, but the thing I heard about this board, it's going to be comprised of like medical professionals. And like you say, it'll provide that oversight and the assurity that maybe people want. Um, but I also heard that it could potentially approve other psychedelic medicines potentially. Am I correct in saying that?
1: Yeah. So I think that, that the world, um, and I'm just going to use the global we, um, for the United States of America, I think like we, um, as a general rule, know more about psilocybin, um, I think, than most of the other um, um, psychedelics that are in the pipeline.
0: I've uh, even heard, not to cut you off, I've even heard that we we know more about psilocybin than we do cannabis. I might I, be wrong on that, but I've heard that.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Um, from, from a scientific perspective, I, I would sort of break this up, right? So, From a public perspective, and then I, again, this is outside of this audience, right? Um, I, you know, I interact with people, you know, all day long that are not in this, in this, um, uh, I'll call it sort of sub-
0: Demographic. (laughs) (laughs) um,
1: And they have no idea what what psilocybin does or what the benefits could be. And, and it's, uh, it's an interesting conversation because, um, they're absolutely shocked to learn that there's, um, you know, um, that people are, you know, not consuming psilocybin and, and um, falling prey to all of the uh, the propaganda outcomes. Um, so, so cannabis was unlike that, right? The the lifetime usage in the general population of cannabis was much higher, so the general public was. Um, had much more knowledge about what the you know sort of risks and um and benefits and outcomes were around around um, cannabis or marijuana, however you want to say it. Um, and yet, there was less research into it because, um, there just was. <laughs> I think that the um, in this particular case, there's a lot of research that we have that's come out. So it's, it's sort of we we know more from the scientific community um, that that knowledge is is uh, um, it's held within um, in most cases sort of academic journals. Um, um, you know. Uh, departments of pharmacology. Um, I, so I would say there's a lot of science. I don't think it's particularly accessible. Um, and, and this is interesting because um, this is where, um, as, as I mentioned, my sister uh, um, has suffered from mental illness throughout her entire life. And this is one of the uh, little projects that I'm working on with her to try to solve this pro- problem of. Bringing that sort of knowledge into the broader community um, through story, te- the stories of people who have used psilocybin um, and benefited from it, because of, we want the we want the general public to understand um, that you know this is a positive this is a positive path for folks. So we're launching um, ThriveStories.org, which is a place where folks who've had personal experiences with use of psilocybin can offer to go and tell that story um, and contribute to a story library where the um, the information is accessible to, to the average ab- the average person, right? Like I always say when I was sitting in my sister's hospital room, I was not searching for like mystical experiences or you know neuroplasticity or increased brain connectivity across, um, you know, the, throughout the frontal lobe. This was not what I was doing. I was looking at someone, I was saying, oh my gosh, what data, she's the data I have. What, what, what can help her? Um, and then going out and trying to find options. Um, so Thrive Stories is very much about asking the community who has had experiences with psilocybin or other psychedelics to help tell their stories so that when people are looking for a solution, they can find someone who looks and feels sort of like them and they can then take the next leap, which is, okay, do I want to learn more about this and do I want to you know access it myself? Um, so I'm, I'm glad you asked the question because it is a, a significant difference. There's, you know, there's less sort of I'll call it population knowledge than there was around cannabis, um, but a lot more of uh, sort of deep science knowledge in the psilocybin space. And then part of what we have to do um, with the with our education efforts for the bill is help people who are not psilocybin connoisseurs understand the the impacts and the benefits and help dispel some of the stigma. I should yeah. not forget to to mention that.
0: Yeah. And and my bad, um I feel like I sent you off on a tangent with that question. And and if you did answer the other one, I don't know, I don't feel like I took it home. So the the advisory board can they approve other substances?
1: Oh, oh, OK, yes. We started with the advisory board. Yes, that is the, uh, that that was where we started. Um, it we can. Um, that is um, it is. Everything but peyote, um, which is just excluded for the per- because it's in, in, in sure. um They have they are um, delegated the authority to to review those substances. Um, and um, develop ways to potentially bring them forward. Um, Psilocybin is prioritized again, because we have the most amount of research on psilocybin. Um, We ask the board to bring that that forward first. Um, And then once we've done that and we sort of have a foothold, um, I think it's important for them to also look at other At other substances, because when you talk to folks, there's you know there's a lot of people who benefit from ayahuasca, for example.
0: Thank you for clearing that up. And am I correct? I tried to read the bill myself. I'm going to be honest; legalese is so hard. It's so hard to read.
1: Enjoy the 275 pages of cross references.
0: (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Well, so is it? Am I correct? And did I take this home correctly? Is the board appointed by the governor?
1: Um, so these positions are, yeah, these positions are appointed by the governor. Um, I, that doesn't happen in a vacuum. Um, so, you know, the, it's very much designed for community input. And then there's a rule, you know, there's rulemaking processes that happen. Um, and this is sort of, you know, this is, this is standard with any kind of big bill. Um, you don't try to solve all of the nuance inside of the legislative setting. Um, you would be there for eternity. So there is a, a rulemaking process that happens inside of um, Illinois. The body is called JCAR. And, um, and that promulgates sort of the more nuanced um, um, guidelines around how to approach things like maybe say the size of a manufacturing plant. Um, so it's not, uh, it's not the sexiest of um, activities sitting on the JCAR panel, but it's, it's very productive and it's certainly, and I think this is a point that it's worth making um, to, to your listeners and your viewers is that it's not like, um, it's not like we move out of the legislative process and it is the last point in time for the community to have um, an impact on on how this rolls out. Um, that also happens inside of uh, the executive branch after the legislation has passed.
0: Gotcha. Well, so I get the impression based off of conversations I've had in the past that the board will be comprised of medical professionals, which makes sense back to your point of, um, you know, having broader out. I can't think of the words mm-hmm. right now, but broad acceptance. How about that? Is that good? Do you think that's what I'm, yeah. So obviously that's
1: message of psilocybin with the world.
0: Right. <laughs> and well, and you want somebody that has, you know, <laughs> credentials that they, they can, you know, back up and say, Hey, I'm a certified health professional. Right. I feel like that would go a long way towards giving everybody a little bit of peace of mind. I will.
1: I'll I'll just interject there that, you know, health is mentioned in the bill, but so is spirituality and um, community use. All of those things are in the bill. Um, The, um, you know, just as the way sort of, um, you know, the order of of operations in in government goes, um, medical um, practices are regulated at the state level level um and so this is a a standard practice um but it's not limited to medical professionals there's community profession or community um um, representatives um there's people who are there to talk about access um uh people to represent um uh, well as I part of what's happening here is is bringing sitters into the equation, right? Like that is not part of our existing um, paradigm, um, at least not ex- part of our existing paradigm, should I say, in in um, a state regulatory setting. And so, um, and I know the idea, the, the notion of regulation scares people, but um, it's, it's a way to, I, I, li- I would like to say it's a way of, of honoring um what has been happening at the community level for all, you know hundreds of years and and we are asking the government to say yes this makes sense and yes we are willing to take a, a different view of how um of how we can achieve some mental well-being and that includes sitters that are not necessarily um you know I don't have like five PhDs. <laughs> so
0: yeah, yeah. So I was wrapping around to that. That's kind of where I was going is like, of, co- of course, and I'm fine with medical professionals. I think that adds a, a level of legitimacy. But I wondered on the board, will there be specific, like, spots? It sounded like you just said there would be uh, for like, community members or people to represent the spiritual side of it versus the medicine side of it, because that is a big thing with this community. I mean, you just touched on it, the, the yeah. medicine versus spirituality thing.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, and I think that this is, you know, an uh, an important point to around education. Uh, I think it it is easier to start educating legislators around sort of the core medical benefits, right? Um, because that is the way we're used to thinking about about drugs. And then it sort of bridges the gap in, or bridges, yeah, that gap into what is spirituality or what I would call, if you wanted to reframe it, um, well-being. Uh, you know, and one of the things we know about psychedelics that makes them different from um, um, substances that we have, you know, sort of used in the past is that they don't just help um, depress well, I call it ill-being. They actually help increase well-being, um, which is, I mean, that's really amazing. I, uh, I, I don't know. Um, uh, so my my new role has forced me to read a heck of a lot more um, clinical studies than I wish I ever had, uh, <laughs> because I obviously just need to be aware of of what's happening in in the world out there. And there's a really fascinating in population study um, with LSD in in Australia, where a thousand people were um, offered. Um, Microdoses of LSD, and they came back and they reported on the. the and this was a in population healthy study, right? So, we, so you know, your neighbor, me, whatever. I don't know. Um, and every metric of well being increased with the microdosing. So whether it was engaging in physical activity, making um, choices to be in nature. In in, you know, for marriages, more sex—that was one of the things I studied. Um, Happiness at work, creativity, all of these things went up. Now, our our bill in Illinois is focused on on natural substances. Um, LSD is sort of two derivatives away from a chemical standpoint, but it becomes easier to have conversations with people in decision making um, positions, so we sort of start from the most, uh, what I would call, um, needy, um, base point, right, and then start, once people have become, um, comfortable and familiar with the concept of, okay, we don't want people to, to, to just survive, we want them to thrive, we want them to, Um, We want them to reach their maximum potential. Then we can start having those conversations about well-being and sort of integrating that into uh, the common vernacular of of folks inside of our, um, you know, decision makers inside of our states who should understand that component of it. And spirituality is very much a portion of that.
0: Gotcha. So, so there will be spots for, for people like yes, that. Yes, back the to the
1: spots. Yes, yes, yes. Back to the spots. Absolutely. That's in there. Um, and also opportunities for feedback. So, um, um, it's. I know,
0: it's I'm going a, out on a limb with this one, but is it like half and half or like, is it just like a couple spots or like, what does it look like?
1: So, um, so where a bill starts, I'll just just preface no, this. No, and thank you. I actually start, one one of the things I t- <laughs>
0: right. One of the things I actually was told that you would be able to tell me is like, yeah, how a bill becomes a law, which is important. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so yes, where a bill starts and where a bill ends um, are <laughs> very very different things. Um, so right now it's um, it's a blend of um, community members and physicians and, um, you know, sort of healers and so it's all of the above. Um, and um, I don't, I can't, I can't tell you right offhand what the ratio is of that I'd be happy to come back <laughs> and give you the breakdown. Um, but that's, that's where it is right now. Um, and then of course, you know, what we will do as we move through the process is have conversations like the one that we're having right now, um, get feedback from um, from community members. And if, uh, you know, if if your listeners are very interested in having another stakeholder at the table, um, that's a, that is absolutely the type of feedback we love to hear. Uh, you know, it's much easier to do it on the front end than it is to know do on the back end although both are possible and i've done both so Um,
0: yeah yeah i asked that question just because i think it would go a long way towards gaining that community support for you know you so it's like we're trying to step around two different issues you've this one crowd that's possibly not knowledgeable on psilocybin and you have to battle that drug war era information right with with the correct information which is that this is a uh, what did you say? A substance that can lead to like well-being overwhelmingly uh, versus another group of people, and you might say that this is some of my audience who are hesitant. Uh, they don't want it to. They want it to be. They're fine. I'm. I like personally. I'm not a, opposed to a regulated option, but one of the main things, and we'll get to this in descheduling, that I've opposed with cannabis is that we legalized it, yet people can't grow their own. Right. Or, um, you you know, the possession limits are really limited and there's still criminal penalties for it. So, um, like I say, that's one of the big mistakes I feel like we made with the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act. And so, you know, these questions are kind of coming in the spirit of that. Like we're trying to learn what happened with cannabis and and apply that to psilocybin, I guess. So,
1: yes, there are a lot of lessons to be learned on with cannabis, you know, all across the board, from you know initial ac- access to equity to um, how do you solve for um, you know you have to have, you actually have to have a market uh, <laughs> out there for people to access, and that you know it certainly did not exist for for cannabis. Um, so all of those are relevant um, to to. The language of the bill and also the community um, engagement with your own legislators around what you want to see. Um, I, 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 Where is that? Can you pop up that? Um, that oh. letter.
0: Yeah the the press release.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um. So do we go? All right. I'll have to get it to you guys. This is not it. Um. You know mm-hmm. we have a um. A letter that is drafted for folks to send um, to their their legislators, asking their legislators to come on as proponents of the bill. Um, so I, if I can, get, I'll get you that web address sure. so you can post it and um, and and engage and express your your opinions about this because um, it's it's important for them to hear. Um, this is certainly a group that you know is above average on their knowledge about the about the substance, um, and elected officials are humans. Um, so so, uh, some people disagree with me on that. But <laughs> I I assure you, I've worked I've been working with them for years. They are human, and they they absolutely respond um, to their constituents and what their constituents want, um, and and the very um, human aspect of, of engaging them. Um, you know, they are um, generally speaking empaths. So feel free, and I encourage you to reach out because it will both help us perpetuate the bill, um, also educate folks.
0: Yeah. So for folks that want to see that, we'll put that link in the podcast description. I'll just follow up with you after the show to get that. Um, and really quick, folks, we've got a few links in the podcast description. We've got Il- Il- Sorry, Uh, We've got a link to the press release that you saw. We've got a link to ThriveStories.org. Is that correct? ThriveStories.org. Um, we'll have that in the podcast description as well as the link we just referenced. So I feel like I only have maybe like one more question about the legal option, and then we can wrap up, uh, with, with descheduling if that sounds all right. So cool. Uh, what does licensing look like? You brought up a market. Um, that's a, that's a big question that we got, uh, when we talked about discussing this bill, they're like. What does licensing look like? Again, that's a big complaint with, with coming from cannabis that basically there's not an option for small-time farmers and there's plenty of barriers to entry. Um, so yeah, I'm curious, what does that look like?
1: Um. So, so we did learn some things in cannabis. Um, one of them being that craft cannabis growers uh, have done really, really well. They've been really successful. You know, that was sort of a, it was sort of an afterthought. Um, the and these are the folks that have come forward with some. I think of the more interesting um, um, strains, and because they're deeply invested in um, the plant, um, and and they're they're you know farmers. So so. Um, Leveraging some of that knowledge and and bringing it into this bill is certainly um, um, an objective. Um, We've tried to streamline some of the permitting processes uh, so that that the market is just less just it was disjointed in in cannabis. And so there's options here for sort of syncing things up and making it simpler. so that's there i can't tell you exactly what will be in the permitting process now because m- the vast majority of that gets decided in rules so that here we go back to the rulemaking process yes um so that happens sort of inside of the executive branch because they're they're the ones who review administer and um and um approve uh, I'm going to be positive and say approve the licenses. Um, so, so more to come there, stay tuned. Um, and did was, was there a second part of Was that a compound question? Did Sorry, I,
0: I did say a lot, but it, it was really the, really the question was, yeah, what does licensing look like? And will perhaps there be a mixture of small time, small time, mid time, big time people? Right. Uh,
1: yes. So, so, yes. The design is to um, be inclusive and integrate the lessons that we learned from the cannabis world. Um, some of that happens at the legislative level. As I said, the integrated license concept is something that we learned from cannabis. Um, that is in the psilocybin bill. Um, the what happens inside of the permitting system is that that feedback comes later in the process inside of, and again, it's not without public comment or public participation. Um, it, it is, that is, that is built into uh, the rulemaking process. Uh, and, and then of course, I think there's just some human error <laughs> that happened in cannabis um, that will fully not repeat because no one liked
0: it. Sure. Yeah. Well I guess I know I had one, I said I had one last question, but you just kind of brought up a thought. The there's no mention of social equity in this bill. Is and I like I'm just curious what
1: um so there um some of the so equity is is always a question and always a concern. Um, the the coalition itself, NTO Illinois, has done an excellent job of um, of being in- inclusive in terms of bringing in stakeholders, and um, that is, you know, that's relevant um, for just in general how this gets rolled out. Um, the it at the moment doesn't have the same sort of set asides um, and we'll sort of see how that progresses in in the legislative process. Um, here's a little bit of a s- slightly different dynamic here. And I, you know, how some people want to look at it. Um, because there's sort of a much smaller pop use population, um, we don't have, we don't have to sort of try to Pry people out of jail um, the same way we were I mean yes it's it's a controlled substance yes the people that there are probably people out there who have um, I know there are people out there who have faced criminalization over this there's no doubt about it um, everything with psilocybin is sort of just a little bit smaller because it is um, less pervasive in our just everyday lifetime use as a nation. Gotcha. I guess the Nixon, uh, the Nixon propaganda really worked.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, I just thought that was notable. I mean, I personally, I think I want to be very clear that I support the idea of social equity, but I personally feel it's just become a political buzzword and cannabis is a as a case, and like is a case that I point to in Illinois as an example of that. So I just thought it was notable that the bill, like I'm, I'm not saying good or bad that it doesn't mention it. I just thought it was notable. So um, I, I
1: would say um, there's different ways of approaching this issue. So um, you know, I, this is a this is an issue that's near and dear to my heart from the perspective of women. Um, so you know, as I said you know, I spent months in my sister's hospital room searching up and down for something that would help her. Um, I never really made the connection that something that would help say, um, you know, a an athlete who had CTBI or, or a combat um, uh, related PTSD case could help her because In my mind, she looked different, right? Or her story sounded different. Um, And so part of the education component that um, I feel very, very um, passionate about is making sure that we are talking to all of the communities um, throughout the legislative process. It's part of the the idea behind Thrive is to try to represent um, those communities Uh, as they exist in the world. So the stories sort of tell, you know, um, what's really happening out there in in our everyday life. Because I, you know, because it is absolutely true that um, who you talk to during a legislative process does have an influence on who will access um, what you eventually bring um, to market, however, you want to put market, whether it's the descheduling or the 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 broader market.
0: Cool. Well, uh, yeah. Let's. I think that's perfect. Let's talk about descheduling. Um, what does that mean to, to break it down for people? I mean, earlier you mentioned uh, you said it removes criminal penalties for use, but I'm under the impression that that's not it. Is that correct?
1: Um, so. Descheduling, in this respect, is um, it is it is designed for to do to remove the criminal penalties. Yes, for personal use, absolutely. Um, it says very specifically that you um, may have psilocybin for your uh, personal consumption, um, and that you um, and So that is part of it. It also is designed to facilitate research because um, it's very hard to overcome some of the barriers. Right, Uh, I didn't
0: think about that actually until you just said that, that's brilliant.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we would like people, um, one of the industry dynamics that's a real challenge here is um, is that the research tends to be done on synthetic psilocybin because that is what we can patent. And I say global, we as the United States. Um, but, but I think there is a lot of interest in research on naturals. Um, question mark about whether or not we should be, you know, I'm, I guess I'll say anyone who wants to play in this market and help people achieve well being, I go for it. Um, but I do think that, that there's some of us who look at it and say, you know, are we reinventing the wheel? and um and i'll leave it at that
0: sure yeah it's a good way of uh looking at it so am i correct to understand that uh the descheduling would also make it so that i could cultivate uh psilocybin at home um for your personal use for personal use nice am i also under the understanding that i could gift psilocybin uh no no money is involved but i could like say hey here are some of my shiitake mushrooms that i acquired from where the market and i also cultivated some psilocybin mushrooms julia here you go like you do with tomatoes okay.
1: so now you're asking so this is this is you're like you're you're tugging me in two directions right from like yes that's exactly what the bill says um you know I would also say I'm a lawyer so be somewhat cautious. Um, people uh, <laughs> I wouldn't suggest, you know, um, growing uh, 5000 well, pounds like of tomatoes. psilocybin in your I, mean... yeah. I wouldn't suggest growing 5000 pounds of psilocybin in your house and then having a party for 200 of your nearest and dearest friends and charging a $500 over or you know uh, entry uh, fee. So it that, again, that's just the lawyer side of me. You know, make sure it really is for your personal use or for the consumption of people that are in your sort of immediate circle. Um, it's not, you know, it is not. Um, I the commercial, or I should say, the larger commercial aspects um, are there to protect people who sort of, who, who do not. Have an expertise in this, um, so again, it's a balancing of the scales. Yes, we want you to be able to do what you're doing, and we also want people who have less education to come into this world from a uh, a safe um, and um, transparent entryway.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what are, what do are the criminal penalties look like if I sold psilocybin without a license?
1: That will have to be resolved in the throughout the whole evolution of the bill. I mean, right now um, you are looking at psilocybin being deprioritized for um, personal consumption at the federal level, um, descheduling within Illinois. Um, So that's where it stands right now. and we will, you know, we'll sort of see as it pr- progresses. Um, but the I'll sort of return to the my my first comment, which is um, we understand community use, we value community use, um, we do not want to interfere with community use. So you know, that's that.
0: Yeah. I, I look, I, I would say that just like you said earlier, I think you started the show with this idea, which is like you could open a, you know, I could have you and your sister and some other folks over for dinner, and that's not a problem. Right. But if I start a Facebook page that says Cole Preston's Chillanoy restaurant and I don't have all of the licensing, like that's a different thing. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. I'm not talking, I'm not talking yeah. about like large scale but Correct. I'm just saying what wh- because the, there are criminal penalties that exist today and we're talking about removing a lot of them but it sounds like we're considering or the, there's a possibility of keeping some of them and my question is what a, what are they
1: Um so, I mean, it would sort of get back to the the restaurant analogy is a good one. You know, what are the consequences for running an unlicensed restaurant and um, advertising it to the world? Um, there are consequences.
0: Are there criminal consequences, or are there just like tax consequences, or like licensing consequences?
1: <laughs> now we're really getting deep into the law. So uh, it would depend on how you did it. I, I, I would Fair have enough. to move it at that, right? How, how big you did it. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, what
0: I was we, doing if I was like maybe that. laundering money or whatever. <laughs> yeah,
1: all, all of those things. Did you poison someone? You know, then mm-hmm. uh, like did someone die in your but living? you get
0: my question, you get where I'm coming from.
1: Yes. Uh, unfortunately that like that cues up a whole lot of um a whole lot of of potential uh legal outcomes. But um, they apply in, in, in any setting, right? Like they apply any if you any unlicensed business. Um, that's my yeah. best that's my best answer without having the facts of the case in front of me.
0: Sure, I, I guess what I this was but like my actually, last
1: let's, let's let's really zero zero in on this. Yeah it is. It is not designed to go into your living room and tell you what you should or should not be doing inside of your, you know, personal community. Mm -hmm. That is not what this, like, this bill is designed very specifically to to, um, prevent someone from being criminalized in those circumstances. Because we know that there is community use. We know that it's important. Um, and we know that, and, and it is something that we want to preserve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate the sentiment there. Uh, I I just hope you, you get where I'm coming from on it. Like if it's like, I'm just trying to figure out, are we going to, I'm not saying we let the broad, the, the big scale Growing, but it's like, is there going to be any lessening of the penalties that exist? And it sounds like you don't have the answer, and that's okay. It's another thing I can follow up on.
1: Well, yes, lessening in the penalties comes along with
0: descheduling. But okay, that's what I'm saying. So there's there's no penalty for possession, no penalty for cultivation. But I could pull up the Controlled Substances Act right now. I'm sure there's penalties for selling it and I'm sure it's a graduated scale, just like we have with Canvas, where it's like, okay, if you did this amount, then it's this. If you did this amount, then it's this. My question is, those lower amounts, are we going to see any, you know, is it going to just remain iron fist? You're going to jail like it is today, or are we going to see that be a little bit less of a harsh penalty as it should be?
1: Yes. The purpose of the as I said, the um the purpose is to protect people's personal consumption um, of of um, their own product, and mm-hmm. that is that is the design. Um, so that this is an environment where um, um, you shouldn't you shouldn't be um, you know you should not be penalized for what's happening inside of your your living room.
0: yeah. Now, having said all of that, I realize what we're dealing with is a little bit bigger than just this issue. So I wanted to ask you, what what is the political what do you feel the political landscape is in Illinois and how does the how does the public play a part in the process of a like grassroots initiative like this?
1: Uh you guys make all the difference, um, so uh, it's very, very important. I, you know, I would encourage um, anyone here who is is interested in the policy side um, to to go to um become a member. You know, the uh, you can join for as little as like five dollars a month. I want to say, and um, and get. All of the information on um, we sort of help streamline advocacy and reaching out to elected officials. Um, the the advocacy efforts of um, this community and and um, you know really anyone in Illinois are going to they're going to be the the make or break. Um, this is uh, what we call a, a member initiative. Um, meaning that it was brought forward by LaShawn Ford because he sort of heard what was happening and and, um, that people um, needed access to um, these substances and for member initiatives, um, there is nothing that's more important than the community. Uh, That's that's where they come from, that's where they they grow from. And um, every single time, someone reaches out to their state rep and says i want to see this happen um we are that much closer to having a bill pass
0: yeah and um maybe this can go back to my question about i'm sorry i threw two questions at you i've been doing i've done that twice to you now i apologize (laughs) um the political
1: landscape is that yeah
0: the political landscape like what do you think the prospects are high why is LaShawn Ford the right sponsor for the bill? There I go again. I just threw two questions at you. (laughs) Political landscape and why is LaShawn Ford the right person for, why is he the right person?
1: So um, LaShawn is great. Um, He is, you know, very forward thinking um, legislator. And um, one of the things that, uh, and and he's working this bill very hard. So um, sit send them a message and say, thank you. Um, People, you know, uh, people in, in government love to know that what they're doing matters to you. Um, The, the landscape. And more
0: often they hear complaints than they do a thank you.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) They hear a lot of complaints and not a whole lot of thank yous. Um, You will get a lot and you, you know, uh, this is a place where honey is uh, what's the saying? Honey is better than vinegar. Yeah, um, I I might have just gone really old school with that one. Um, the political landscape, uh, you know, I will say Illinois tends to be a progressive state, um, and so that you know that weighs in our favor. Um, there is a lot of education that needs to be done, so even. For a progressive state, um, there is a you know there's an, a community of folks who really understand this issue well, and a lot of people who really don't. Um, and so, so educating members is the really the most important thing that can happen. Um, e- you know, even if the state has you know a baseline that I would say is is positive and favorable. Uh, it, it will not happen without the outreach and the engagement of the community. Um, so I, I encourage people to get involved, stay involved, make your voice known um, because that is I mean that is the secret sauce for for starting a movement, an effective movement.
0: Yeah. And I think another component of this, I'm curious what, what your take is on, on this idea. Um, I've seen the governor's office kind of, for lack of better words, pledge support for certain initiatives. I think like, for example, before the CRTA was actually passed, J.B. Pritzker's made some statements that like, hey, this is like, this is looking good. I like what I'm hearing type of thing. What My question is, what kind of support do you think uh, we would need I'm um, using the proverbial we uh, from the governor's office on this issue.
1: Um, oh, gosh, I, I dare not speculate on that one. And um, the, you know, I, th- that is getting into the, the head of a one person <laughs> trying to guess. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll say governors are elected officials, just like, state reps are and yes yeah. so um if you want to see uh, your governor um engaged around this issue reach out
0: Hell yeah good advice good advice well um is there anything uh, I'll, I'll start to close the show are you good on time um by the way to go a little bit longer yeah cool. Um, I was just curious to hear a little bit more about your experience, like with your former job. You had jumped right into the Cure Act. I was gonna kind of give you give you an opportunity to tell a little bit more of your backstory. (laughs) But before before we do that, and that'll be the way we close the show. um, Look, I'm I'm I like the descheduling component of this bill. I like it a lot. In fact, I think it goes. I think it does. I think the changes are more substantive than what we did with cannabis with regard to the goal, which is to stop criminalizing the substance. Right. I think that the from what I'm hearing with descheduling, this goes further. I I just need more answers on the legal component. And I understand please correct me if I'm wrong, but there would be more public input and stuff. Like this isn't the end, because I don't know. I, I need to know about the makeup of the committee. I I hold on it's not that I need to know we need to know the public needs to know about the makeup of the committee what the market is going to look like because frankly and maybe this is where we wrap up I mean of course you still have your thoughts but like I feel like the descheduling component the the other reason that I like it so much is because it sounds like it could supply for the let's say uh lack of access like I don't know I just feel like the the legal option sounds like it and it sounds like it's only for people that could afford that or could do something like that and it and it just seems like people that need psilocybin maybe can't or don't have those opportunities so
1: so yes absolutely um that is part of the objective there I mean we do realize that um um there are financial barriers um and the uh, and descheduling is designed to help those folks um who who experience those financial barriers um that's a very important point i appreciate that you brought it up
0: do you have concerns about that compo- component of the bill do you think it's too liberal
1: do i think it's too liberal uh
0: i'm just saying but- you know if somebody who opposes this listens to this, just saying um,
1: I would be a hypocrite if I said that. Um, you know, my family member is alive because um, because somebody in Colorado was kind enough to go out into the woods and find magic mushrooms for her and Bring them to us at a time where, um, you know, the vast majority of the medical community thought that she was going to be dead in five years. Um, so uh, I can't. I, I would be, I would be a horrible hypocrite if I thought that you know, the person who saved my sister's life uh, should should face criminal penalties.
0: Thank you for addressing that. You know. Uh, while it might seem like when you look at the logo, it's like, oh, nobody that's conservative on this issue will listen no, in fact, I think they do you know we've had people from the number one lobbying group against the legalization of cannabis, like, look, I'm fair and I try to be fair with regard to you know who I talk to and i and the reason I bring up that question is because it's been in the back of my mind look i don't i don't I worry sometimes that we're in this like echo chamber, you know? And so, uh, to somebody who's not in our demographic, as we said at the beginning, <laughs> I-, I wonder how digestible this proposal is, you know, for me, it's for me and you we're like, fuck. Yeah, this is, this is great, but.
1: Um, it's why it's really important to reach out and, and, um, help folks understand the basics of the substance, you know? Um, yeah. It's non-toxic, it's non-lethal. Um, you can have a really bad day. And I'm not saying that there aren't risks, right? Um, I think that, that, uh, that psychedelics are a class of drugs to be respected, um, but they are, the risks are not the risks that were presented to us um, in the, you know, Here's your brain. Here's your brain on drugs. Um, you know, with the eggs. Does anyone remember that? Okay. Though uh, <laughs> those are not the risks, and um, it is um, it is critically important to have that conversation um, because um, there are a lot of people who who have been propagandized and um, and helping them understand the realities of, um, of psychedelics uh, versus what they heard in sort of a, un, you know, an unfor- it was just an unfortunate um, political maneuvering that was not terribly ethical um, back in the, the 70s. Uh, we have to work to overcome that messaging because it's been embedded for uh, 40 years. But um, fundamentally, non-toxic, uh, non-lethal. The um, this is this is a message that we keep carrying forward, um, and also helping people understand the the well-being components of this. Um, ever, for anyone who's from someone who's really really suffering to someone who um, who you know just. Wants to, you know, maybe just is trying to overcome, you know, whatever. I'll say hardship is happening in their existing life, or people who are are just seeking for seeking a higher sort of spiritual connection to this world. Uh, all all of those things are valid.
0: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for uh, addressing potential critics and and I like that you mentioned that if anybody does feel uncomfortable with this bill that they I think maybe more more so than anybody else should get involved in airing their feedback so that it can be addressed right um yeah. right i mean yeah
1: i mean that this that's the whole that's the whole political process uh you know we won't convince everyone and sure. uh, and that's a reality um but we can help reeducate. Um, we can help reeducate uh, folks and bring them into the fold. Um, I am a perfect testament to someone who was reeducated. You know, when my uh, when my sister initially brought this to me, I was like, you know, like my head, like probably could have exploded, um, and I. You know, but I looked at it and I said, "All right, I'm listening." Here, tell me more. And I, you know, I read about it and and discovered it was psilocybin was completely different than what I had been told for um, you know my formative years. Um, and and it changed my mind. This is how we change people's minds and their hearts. We uh, first present them with the with the evidence what of what this really is and then we tell them the importance of why and so that's that's the that's the magic equation changing hearts and minds
0: yeah well very well said well any last thoughts um on the cure act before we close did we miss any bases did you feel we covered them all
1: oh i think i think we've done well
0: yeah, yeah, I think-
1: All I would say is, and I, I will say this over and over again, please, please stay engaged. Um, you know, uh, the, those, the folks at Entheo have lots of tools to remain engaged um, and, and we need help uh, reaching out to your friends, your family members, your, you know, uh, whoever it is that's in your life, um you know be an evangelist because that is um you know this is a government that is designed to listen to people so the yeah. more we can have folks who are in this uh in the sphere of understanding um in a, in a a place uh where their hearts are open um the better we are are all off so yeah,
0: yeah. Totally agreed there, and I, I think the only thing I thought about that I feel like we haven't covered is expungements. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, that's a pretty big part of the bill. Am I wrong that that's part of the bill?
1: Um, so I'd have to circle back on expungements.
0: Okay,
1: I'm sure that it's in. Yeah, I would be. Uh, don't quote me on this one. So I'll have to circle back and look at expungements. Um sure. But generally speaking, there's expungement processes throughout our um criminal code. So um that is always they they've always existed.
0: Awesome. Um
1: somewhat well hidden maybe, but <laughs> they're there.
0: Okay. Well I can definitely follow up on that. Um well sweet. Uh thank you uh I had a lot of fun during that discussion and, and I'm so interested to hear about uh, and I know that we have about 40 minutes left in our time slot I don't think we need to use the rest of that but um if we need to we can but I'm just curious to hear about your beginnings you mentioned like running papers in and out like what what was that like and what did that actually include like did you were you fielding like the phone calls that we were just recommending people to make so that you're running in papers to the representative saying like oh this is what your people feel about this or like what what did you do and what was that like (laughs)
1: Uh, so yes. Um, I. Well, I worked specifically on drafting um, legislation, so that was my initial start. Um, so integrating feedback from the community. Um, just you know, to give you an idea of how this looks from a legislator's eyes, um, you know, there's a bill analysis that sort of tells them what happens inside of a bill, and then there's a section that down there at the bottom that says, you know, who's for or against this particular bill. That is always a really important section for legislators. So if you if you um, if you know organizations that are willing to come on as proponents of the bill um absolutely please reach out to nthio and let us know um the other thing that they sort of so that happens at the first the beginning of the process and then the next stage is to move it to committee um and that's where witness slips come in um witness slips are go on record and they're read out to the committee members as you are just about to go up and testify for um for for your bill, so it's great to have witness slips because it really shows momentum. Uh, And then the next stage after that, er, the bill will come out of committee and it will go to what's called a floor vote. Um, And a floor vote is the time where I generally ask, um, again, the broadest possible community um, to mobilize and reach out directly to their individual legislator. Because um, the, you know whether or not someone you know, if you if you hit a threshold of about say five touches per legislator, um, that is, I mean that can be a real tipping point from a uh, just sort of a practical perspective inside of a, inside of any bill um, that's moving through the legislative process, and then we start all over in the Senate. But um, we're right now we're in committee. So slips are great. And then um, if we come back to you, oh no. Oh, there you are. Okay.
0: Uh, I was just showing you with the slips. slips.
1: Yeah. Um, and then if we come back to you in a, a few weeks and ask you to send another letter or make another phone call to your rep, it is because we are trying to move it from committee and it's gone from committee and we're trying to move it off the house floor and that's again sort of the big push. So we're not we I would also like to say yeah we're not just we're not just like pinging you for um you know willy nilly. It's it correlates to how any piece of legislation moves through this process um and what legislators need to hear from their constituents as the
0: Process evolves. Very cool. Very cool. What was sorry? I, I brought up the witness slips just because, uh, you know, if I can share this for folks uh, that are listening or watching. So if you're watching right now, you can see I'm sharing Infio Illinois' uh, Instagram page, and it's an action alert that basically walks you through how to file a witness slip for this bill. Uh, so if you're listening right now and you can't see this, or if you're watching and you'd rather look at this on your own computer, I'll throw a link to this post in the podcast description so that you can follow the instructions and file a witness slip. So thanks for sharing that knowledge, by the way.
1: Yeah, it's very easy. It's a it's a quick process. So,
0: yeah. So again, uh, I don't feel I need to apologize for bringing that up but I did take it take you off of your experience there for a moment Um, oh
1: my experience so what did I do after um uh then I went and I worked uh for various elected officials running their um public policy departments so um inside of um inside of government working with Mm -hmm. grassroots organizers and um um, other departments and stakeholders to advance legislative initiatives. So that has been, um, that's been my whole career. Um, and then when this popped up, I said, well, um, this is certainly something that is worth advocating for. Uh, and I, I contacted LaShawn and said, um, what can I do? This, you know, and again, elected officials are very responsive to, to your human stories. I explained how this was so relevant to me um, and my family and um, and said, you know, we're willing to go on record. We're willing to tell this story to the public um, if that's what it is needed. And what, I should say, I know that's what's needed. I know people. What's needed is that we share our stories, our shared experiences with our, our like um, elected leaders, because um, they listen. That's their they listen and they and they will do something. Um, and I can say that from the perspective of of having been on the inside, and um, and receiving these phone calls and hearing people talk about what impacts their lives. Um, it you know it is it's very very meaningful to advancing uh legislation especially when uh, an idea is kind of new i mean it's sort of old and new at the same time but (laughs) yeah it's new to some people even though we've been using psilocybin for thousands of years
0: so do you just like enjoy this job like it or what you do? Cause it sat like, honestly, from an outsider's perspective, that sounds really sl- like you've done a lot of really stressful things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did have a personality test done and uh, it's funny. I, I, I came up very low on the fear. Um, okay.
0: That makes uh, sense.
1: Scale. I came up very low on the fear and scale and have a high tolerance for uncertainty. So, um <laughs> I guess that's what makes me tick in this world. But yes, it's a pressure cooker. So be nice to people when you reach out to them because um, it's it certainly is. It's um, you know it, it's difficult to. At one point, I was you know working as head of policy for um, a large agency in the city of Chicago. And I was like, oh, I only have three million clients. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, the more we hear from you, the better it is, because, um, you know, that's, that's how, um, that's how we're able to um, form the narrative that carries this forward. And that narrative is very important.
0: So, I've got an interesting question for you specifically about like LaShawn Ford. And I'm just curious, like with your experience, how I would go about approaching something like this, like as an individual, I am an individual. I don't have like I've got my Patreon subscribers. Thank you, by the way, folks. Thank you so much. Um, you know, you can pay three dollars a month. That's all it is at chillinoid.net slash Patreon. And you get exclusive access to new episodes of the podcast. So. Thank you to the folks that subscribe. But, like, you know, I barely make ends meet with that. But here's the thing I've seen LaShawn Ford put forth several pieces of legislation that are backed by industry players, specifically within the cannabis industry. And it's like, it's public knowledge that he takes money from cannabis companies. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. What I'm saying is it's probably no coincidence that he introduces legislation that they support. And so I guess what I'm asking is as a as a cannabis consumer, what do you think how how best do you think it would be for me to approach somebody like him who's not my elected representative but is somebody that champions these causes, right? And how do you think I would get his support cuz like one of the things you mentioned earlier was like say thank you when you can cuz they rare, very rarely hear that you know they only hear about complaints but like I'm trying to figure out how I would best approach somebody like that seeing as I don't I don't necessarily have maybe the capital to get his attention or anything else
1: So um reaching out to your own legislator and asking them to sponsor someone else's or co-sponsor someone else's bill, and I, I don't know how much how much you want to nerd out on legislation, but um,
0: let's do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, we'll nerd out on legislation. I'm trying to
0: learn. I'm trying. I want to be helpful to my elected representatives, and I want my audience to to learn too. You know, I don't want people to just be calling them and screaming like, "Help! Help us! Help you!" Right?
1: Yeah. Okay. So the way um, the way it works is that uh a legislator introduces a bill and um and when they introduce it they're sort of out there on their own and they're a little bit nervous right because they've just put their name on an idea and 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 put it into the public sphere and they don't know how any how people are going to respond and so one of the best things that you can do if you see something that you like is ask your elected official um, in your district to co-sponsor that bill because what you want but you want by the time you get to um committee or to a floor vote, you want to see this steady increase in the number of co-sponsors that come on to a bill. So um, so it's it's very meaningful because um, it adds more resources to the bill just from an internal perspective, right? Now you don't just have one, one um, state rep working on it with one team. You have typically each bill has four what they call lead sponsors. Um, and then everyone else can come on as a a, a as a, just a normal sponsor, but you're, those sort of lead sponsors, those four lead people will throw a lot of resources into passing a bill once it has some momentum. Um, so you can have a, a very, very significant impact on, uh, on a bill that's, being run by someone outside of your, your district by asking your rep to go on as a co-sponsor.
0: I appreciate that information. That's like really huge. And I think it'd be huge. Like, especially if I lived where I used to live, which is Champaign-Urbana, I had a representative that was super pro home grow, which is the issue that I would personally love to become like, we need to legalize home grow uh, for cannabis, like it's past time. I thought, you know, if the, if the plant's legal, right, we should be able to do that. So that's, that's my perspective on that issue. And so I'm, unfortunately I don't live there anymore. So consider my situation anecdotal, but what do I do in this situation? Cause my representative is a big no for cannabis. I was able to get him one time to agree that the police shouldn't have access to the cannabis data, because he agreed with that in principle, but he still didn't agree with cannabis legalization on a, a you know, like a personal level. So, where where do Excuse I go when right? my representative?
1: <laughs> what to do with opponents? Um, yeah. So I guess uh, the answer is that um, the you know if if you're Rep. I know this
0: is a tough question, by the no, way, it's it. kind of consider, it's kind of unique to myself, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll just, I'll answer it globally though. Okay. Sure. Um, even if your, even if your rep isn't going to do what you ask them to do right now, um, having that engagement sets the stage for how aggressively they might fight against someone else who would be interested in doing it. Um, it also having the engagement around these types of issues sets the stage for what they might do in the future with another bill. Um, perhaps, you know, they won't vote against it. They'll just abstain. Um, so, so, so having those, um, I think it can feel like you're having a conversation with a, with a brick wall, um, and, and, um, that's sort of, it's, that's an unfortunate feeling, but I can tell you having been on the inside um, that you listen both to the people who, uh, who support what you're doing and don't support what you're doing. Um, and and those things have an influence on, on where you go. Maybe you're sort of committed to this particular path at this particular moment, but it certainly influences how you think about what you're going to do in the future. So there is, um, you know, there is no bad time to engage your elected officials.
0: Sorry, I'm muted. Uh, <laughs> thank you for going on that big tangent with me as well. Um, <laughs> j- just to wrap up, um, through all those experiences, how did you find yourself at Enthio, Illinois? I felt I wanted to allow you to, to kind of wrap up your story. I felt like I kind of interjected while you were still telling it. So,
1: yeah. And, um, I mean, it was as, it was as simple as, um, I had, you know, I, I spent the first, uh, two and a half decades of my life being convinced that, um, you know, terrified of my phone, terrified of my phone because, um, one day that call was coming and um it was a horrible way to live and it's not a way anyone should have to live um and then uh we we sort of discovered psilocybin and there was a um one you know a certain level of of my god i have to get the word out there because um, you know, my sister made a very serious attempt where her chances her chances of survival were less than 1%. And, um, and how and why are we keeping this a secret um, just, just befuddled me. So as soon as there was an opportunity to help um, advance the cause and, and try to do it with some of the resources that we already had in hand, Um, try to make it as accessible as possible. I I just raised my hand. I'm doing this as a volunteer. Um, So this is not my, (laughs) this isn't my full-time job, but um, it's where my heart is because it is is morally right.
0: So um, I just want to thank you and your sister for doing what you can to advance the cause uh from what i can tell in this press release if i'm recalling correctly yeah um she's been through a lot let's just say and um to kind of publicly come out and talk about that it, i'll just keep it short and saying uh thank you for for doing what you can to advance the cause and and being open about the story you know
1: well, thank you. Thank you for helping me and my family. So we're all connected, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Uh, I, I guess just to close, um, so these, I'm going to share what I have that I'll send you as follow-up questions. Oh, whoops. Is this sharing? Yes, it is. So for follow-up, I've got, oh, I was talking away from the microphone. What is the makeup of the committee? And I don't I don't mean to phrase the question this way exactly, but do you get what I'm saying? Like, what is the makeup gonna look like versus spiritual spiritual versus medicine for lack of better words? Like it or is there an outlined, you know? So that's what but do you is get there, where I'm...
1: there's a question about is there a difference, right?
0: Right, right.
1: <laughs> Our spirits. Our, you know the medicine feeds our spirits you know yeah. the reason we called them um shamans and medicine women and medicine men for so many years but I hear your question
0: yeah and do you understand like can I just personally ask you do you get why these questions are so important to the community
1: yeah absolutely
0: I just wanted to you know make sure that it was understood like that, you know. I'm I'm speaking on behalf of myself a little bit, but definitely my audience too. We like you say we're all in this together and we've had this shared experience with other things that have not gone well. And so I want to be very clear. I do not want perfection to be the enemy of progress. Right? I think I I think I support this bill. I have a lot of those questions are very important to me though. I need an answer on those but I feel like I support the bill. So, um,
1: well, thank you. Um, yeah. And I guess the answers to some of those questions, um, end up playing out depending on who shows up and, and what they say throughout the process. Uh, I mean, I'm not the ultimate decider, right?
0: Sure. (laughs) I
1: I don't get to vote on this. Um, um, as a individual, all I can do is reach out to my rep, which I have, and express my opinions um, and my experiences, um, and that's the power of of every single person that's in this community. Um, and one of the wonderful things about this community is that it's so um, so tight knit, and people are so invested um, and they're engaged, and that is. Um, That's what makes, that's what makes or breaks um, a piece of legislation, especially a piece of legislation like this, that's um, sort of pushing a new frontier, at least at this, you know, at the state level.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you said that too, by the way, that, that, you know, especially for our listening audience um, like I already understood that, but yeah, you're not the make or break on this. I'll still follow up with you to see what you can find since you, you know, know some of the makers, breakers, and shakers involved with this thing, right? But like, um, yeah, for folks that also see the importance behind these questions, I would encourage you to reach out to your local representatives to ask these same questions, if they mean as much as they do to you as they do to me. And if of course, if you have other questions, send them, send them their way. And if critics are still listening right now, first of all, you're awesome for listening. Um, this far in, uh, but also you should, you should participate in the process as well. You know, if you have concerns, let's figure out how we can address them because I'm sure we can. So with that, Julia, it has been a pleasure. I've, I've really, uh, I've enjoyed our talk today. I could see myself wanting to invite you on again in the future, maybe not to talk about this so much as uh, just, you have a lot of insight into how this this actually works and admittedly i lack that like i you know i i roughly understand how a bill becomes a law like if you pop quiz me i don't know that i'd completely fail it but i would be willing to bet that most people (laughs) i'd be willing to bet that most people don't including maybe even some people that are involved at that scale so whatever i can do to help like educate people to like i said it's like in the spirit of help us help our representatives right we want to be communicating them communicating with them in a way that makes sense we don't want to be over communicating cuz then you know saturation and such like we i want to shepherd a, a good relationship between the citizen and their elected representative and i i guess what i'm saying is i think that in the future maybe you and i could work together to continue that so
1: we can do some civics classes <laughs>
0: seriously no i mean i was talking to the croo the cannabis regulation oversight officer uh, office and at one time they were going to come on my show and talk about how things become a bill and how it goes through committees and what rule writing looks like like i'm serious if you'd be willing to talk about that sometime i i personally i know it's a nerdy thing i personally would find it interesting and i think there's a our audience that would too
1: so we, can, we can do that Let's consider it a date.
0: Cool. We'll make it happen. All right. Well, uh, Julia, again, uh, it's been a pleasure. We've got the links in the podcast description for the website, the social media, different things we mentioned today. Is there anything else you want to mention before we go?
1: Thank you for having me. And I'll say one more time, stay involved.
0: Absolutely. Amen to that. Well, folks, we hope you found value in this episode. We'll see you on the next one. Take care.
1: Thank you.